Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Great to see all of you in a tent even. It's great. Reminds me of my childhood days. We would have in the summer, every summer, uh, revival tent meetings. And, uh, wow, this is great. We're in revival. It's what we, we said that, didn't we? When we say we said it. You believe what you say? Okay. It's great to see all of you. This is great. We uh, uh, bring greetings from uh, Boise. And uh, our church, Capital Church, they had uh, church on the lawn today. We have an acre of grass out front, and, and they were on the lawn this morning. I haven't heard how it went. Uh, it's, it's hotter there than it is here. So we start like 9 o'clock, and we have one service, so I hope they did well. My son, who is the uh, lead pastor, was preaching this morning, so I gave him all, his, all the notes that he needed. So <laughs> Praise God. It's great to be with you. Great to be with Mark and Michelle. Uh, and, of course, the granddaughter, granddaughter is the most important thing. So, uh, I want to I wanna share today, you, gotta, you have to understand, when I, when I preach, I teach, and you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. If you don't think, you shouldn't be here today. I want you to think, I want you to grab a hold of this, I want you to touch your heart. It can change your life. It really can. And so we're going we're gonna to touch on some things. And uh, we're living in some interesting days. Really, I mean, I think I'm older than most everybody in here. And uh, I don't think I've ever lived in days like this. Yeah, let me tell you something. Every time in my life, when there was crisis in the nation, God always came through with some kind of move of the Spirit. It happens. So I, I'm, I'm expecting it. I, I remember I was, uh, I was a product of the Jesus people days. Uh, that was 50 years ago. So this is a jubilee year. Come on, God. Come on. 50 years ago, I was, uh, I was a young man in college watching God move all... It was amazing because uh, back then, in fact, it started in Orange County. Started in Costa Mesa and kind of ripped through the nation. We had a place in Boise where, where people would come called the Stone House. They'd get saved. They'd get baptized in the river right behind it, in the Boise River. It was just a, it was an amazing time. One of my, one of my better friends got saved there, and, uh, went into the ministry. In fact, most of the of the men and, and women who are my age who are in ministry right now are a product of the Jesus People Revival. They're in ministry because of that. Yeah, they got saved, cut their hair, and decided to, decided to become a minister or something. It's, it's, it, it was great. And, and I, I just want to encourage you. you know, I heard about saturate. I heard about there's things happening all over the country. It's happening everywhere. And uh, it's happening up in Boise, and we're just seeing 
something, something really great beginning. Because I know when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. So we know he's up to something. And can I just say this? God has never lost a victory. And he's never going to lose a war. So we're in a good place. And I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I believe in redigging the wells of revival. So the, 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 the wells of revival and the power of the Holy Spirit that was resident in Orange County, why not believe for it now? I'm going to tell you how you can do it, but what you're going to do, what you're going to need to do to make it happen. And I want to encourage you uh, that because of what, what God is doing throughout the nation, and, and I, I see this in Idaho. In Idaho, we can smell the storm before it comes. Can I tell you something? I smell it. Now let me tell you why. In 1970, I, I was the General Missionary Society president of our Christian college. Every year, we would take a team of, of college kids. We would go to some place in the nation or overseas, and we would help build churches and different things. This year, we, were, we went to Puerto Rico, and we were building up above Ponce in the mountains of Puerto Rico. We were building a, a Christian camp, and we were helping them. But on the way, we, we flew into New York City. And uh, we landed there, and I'd never been to New York City before. We got out. I mean, I had culture shock. I was, a, I was an Idaho boy, you know. Flew in there and went, came out of the, air, air, uh, the airport, and all of a sudden this, uh, this taxi hits this bus, and the drivers get out and yell at each other. They can get back in and take off. And I'm going, what is going What's happening here? And we see that I, I was, as I was uh, driving through New York, I didn't see one car. It didn't have a dent in it. I was going, man, this place is interesting. But this is 1970. And the, uh, the person who was uh, guiding us through this, he said, Ken, I want to take you someplace. This is Friday night. I want to take you someplace. So the team and I and, and him, we jumped in, in his car, and I think it was two, two cars, and we went into the Lincoln Tunnel uh, under, the, under the river and over to uh, New Jersey. He says, you're not going to believe what you're going to see. 1970. We come up into a nice neighborhood, kind of a, a you know, very, very uh, mature trees and nice homes. And he parked on I noticed there's cars everywhere in this residential area. I said, well, what, what, where are we going? He says, follow me. We walked up a block, turned to my left, and I walked and I or turned around, looked down two blocks, and there's a white church at the end of the block. Cars and buses parked everywhere in this residential uh, uh, location. We walked up there, and it was like the Book of Acts. Now, I'm 20 years old, and uh, all these young people are about my age, some older, some younger. They were everywhere, and they were heading towards this church. We got to the church. I couldn't even get close to the church. It's a white church in a, you know, residential area. And I, I, I finally pushed, like I said, it's a book of Acts. I pushed my way to the window and looked inside. Place was packed, no chairs. All the young people were on the floor. And one solo musician evangelist sitting on the platform. Kids were just falling before the Lord getting saved, getting touched by God. 
I, I just couldn't believe it. I just he and I said, "What? What is going on here?" He says, uh, the, "Our host said this happens every weekend. Thousands of young people are getting saved, getting touched by God." And that was in the middle of the Jesus people days, where these hippies decided they want to get you know get rid of everything that. Uh, they were involved in, and that was during the time. Now, this was uh, interesting because I'm a history guy, and, and this is a time during the Vietnam War. And the Vietnam War, if you're my age or so, uh, I remember when I was 18 years old, I, I was in my, in my dorm room in college, and I was listening to the, uh, to the, the draft lotto. And it was a little scary for us uh, because they were going to war, and everybody probably up to number 50 on the draft would be going to war. Uh, I remember the first two dates that were chosen. September 2nd was number one. My birthday is April 25th. Number two, April 24th. My, you know, heart went up in my throat and I was going, oh man, it's, it's over. Uh, but I was number 351. And I had many friends that uh, went to war. That was a, a spirit of rebellion. There was a lot of stuff going on during that time. There was crisis in the nation. But I'm telling you, God showed up and provided one of the greatest revivals that we've seen. We're, seeing, we're starting to see it again. I, I, I smell it. But I'm telling you, it's going to take believers who... Uh, who decide to make a difference. And uh, I remember uh, Suzanne is here. Uh, her dad is a staff person on our staff. And uh, during the Jesus People days, he was a hippie galore. He basically lost his, you know, his, he, he was on drugs and different things. And, and, uh, but God got a hold of him. And he is, he's Dr. Stan now. He's a doctor of theology, and he's our missions director in our church. That is just typical of what God did in those days. Listen, there's, there's young people out on the streets right now who are going to be doctors of, theolo of theology, going to, be, going to be those who are evangelists and pastors and businessmen and world changers. But you've got to believe for it. You've got to stand for it. You have to pray for it. You have to, you have to put yourself in, in, in that place. So I'm... I'm, uh, I want to encourage you today that let's, let's redig the wells of revival in Orange County. Come on. Listen. If, if 120 changed the whole world in the upper room, why can't we? Okay, I better get on my message here. So, this, this spring and this summer... Uh, let me pray first. Then let, let's jump, jump into this. I have a specific word I want to give you. So, Father, we ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be upon us today and you would, you would stir our faith. You'd make us ready to jump into the river that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, remake us into the image that you want. Lord, you're always transforming us. I pray that we'd be willing, transforming agents and that you would touch our hearts today. Let the anointing grab us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I feel a little resistance. Now, I'm prophetic, so 
I'm just going to do something right now. I'm going to break. Uh, why don't you put your hand on your heart? I don't. The resistance isn't you. It's spiritual principalities and powers. Right now, in Jesus' name, I, I pray. Just pray this prayer right now, dear Jesus. I receive your word. I act upon your word. I declare it's my life. Let the anointing touch me, move me, and remake me. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I break the power of the enemy over this place, believing that you are going to change us today. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come. And let your anointing touch us. Right now, right now, I bind every spirit of distraction. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit gather us together in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned this, uh, mentioned this first service, uh, so let me just explain this to you, and I'll try to put all these pieces together. Uh, during uh, the, this March, April, May, whatever this weird season has been, for all of us, it's just been really different. It's, it's just uh, some, in some ways incomprehensible. But I'm trying to identify things that are going on and, and show you uh, where we're at. But during this time, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to go back and study uh, biblical worldview and Western civilization. So I bought all the books I could. And, I, and I'm, I'm, see, my, my background, I'm, a, I'm not a preacher. My dad was a pastor, but I didn't want to be one. So what I, did, I went to college and became a teacher and was a coach. And, uh, and I, my, my, hist my major is uh, social science education with a major in, in U.S. history and American civics. And so that's my heart. And I learned about spiritual heritage of the nation years ago, and it changed my whole life. Once I knew the, the foundations of America's uh, uh, history, it changed everything in me. So this, this, this spring, the Lord told me, go back and start learning. So I studied everything I can, and I, I was so moved that I decided the nation needs to hear this. So I went to a friend in Boise who runs, who owns uh, uh, radio stations. I said, can I get on the air? I, I want to get on the air and I want to do some podcasts. And I want to teach this. So we've started taping it. And we start the end of this month on the radio. We're going to do podcasts. You can be on demand, etc. Because most believers in America don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to tell them. It's, it's just, it's, it's lost. And so I began to study this, and I, I began to realize that the biblical worldview promises are, are, are powerful. It says that if you have a biblical worldview, you follow God in, in, the, in the manner that, the, Holy, that the, the Word says, you will have protection, long life, joy, fulfillment, no fear, wisdom, discretion. You'll have uh, uh, insight, honor, good reputation, forgiveness, mercy, success, wealth, blessing, and the list could go on. If you don't have a biblical worldview, the opposite is your portion. So as I began to study this, I began to realize, and I, I went into Western civilization. I found a book that blew me away. And it began to teach me that the very foundation of our nation was founded on her the godly heritage, etc. But it has so impacted us that we don't even realize how much it's impacted us. Do you know that, that music we hear today 
comes through Western civilization. All other religions and all other philosophies actually come against music. It's a God-ordained thing that has been inserted into our nation. I could just explain all that. In fact, during the Jesus people days, this is interesting. During the Jesus people days, uh, most songs that were sung before that in church were hymns. You sang the old Oregon cross. You sang, you know, on Christ is solid rock. You sang, oh, they're, they're great songs, but after a while, all of a sudden in the, in the Jesus people, day, about 1970, all of a sudden things re just turned. And we had contemporary Christian music. The songs that we heard today would not have been sung back in my day. And all of a sudden, this, this musical anointing came. I'm telling you, if we revisit revival, you will have a new move of worship and praise and music like you've never heard. It's going to hit. So I began to realize that Western Civ has impacted the nation, America, so much. Now, think about this. I, I don't have time to go into all this, but... Listen to my podcast and you'll, you'll, you'll hear. Why is it, now think about this, why is it in the middle of the night that you're on the road, there's no cars in the road, and you go up to the, the, the red light and you stop? And you don't, you, there's no cars, you could do whatever you wanted to, but you sit there. Now you may laugh, but you know why that is? God inserted... Such righteous thinking and, and, and understanding in us that even in the little things, we don't realize that God is at work. He's done so many things in you that you have no realization or even cognizant understanding that that initially was God setting a foundation. The Bible says in, in Psalms 11.3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'm telling you, you have such... I would, I would venture to say everyone in this room has a, a, a some ancestor who was a godly either intercessor, prayer, uh, pastor, or whatever that has set the foundation for your family. And you need to redig that well. You need to call it into being. And so we stand here today on this foundation of righteousness that we don't even recognize, that even, even the civil things, even the supply line. If I were to explain to you everything about the supplies and how organization happened, I would even tell you about inventions. If you, if you go back, all inventions were a, were a result of Western civilization influence. It's just, it's just almost scary. But it's good. And so I began to, to, to study more about this. But what, what shook me was this. As I began to study this, I found out that only 9% of American believing Christians have a true biblical worldview. There are 220 million adults in America, of which 80 million are born-again believers. Of that amount, about 8 million have a biblical worldview. 9 to 10%. Now, what is a worldview? A wor All of us have one. Your worldview is how you make decisions. It's how you put all the pieces together and make a decision for your life in, in the small things and in the big things. And if you don't have a mind of God, you will make wrong decisions. That's why I like what uh, George Barna, he wrote a book called Thinking Like Jesus. We need to start thinking like Jesus. If you'll think like Jesus, you'll act like Jesus. 
We need to come back to that. There, there's things we have allowed worldviews to invade us that we don't even know. Nihilism, pantheism, we've got uh, postmodernism. You have all these false, and when you study worldviews, they are so depressing. You go, why would anyone want to believe that? But yeah, we have adopted, it's been inserted. We've got to be careful. You, you gotta, so I'm telling you today, intentionally, we have to put ourselves back on the, on the road to pursuing God as we should. It isn't enough just to be a convert. You've got to be a disciple. Jesus didn't say, now watch this. Jesus didn't say, make converts of all the nations. No, he said, make disciples of all nations. And notice he didn't say even people. He said nations. The Christian community is to disciple nations, which Mark was referring to in the seven mountains. We should be involved in all areas of life. The greatest curse that came... Are you with me? You catching this? The greatest curse that came upon the American church is what I call dualism. Believing that I have a sacred box that I put all my spiritual life in, and I have a secular box that I put in all my normal life. Do you know how many American Christians believe that? But yet God says, oh, no, 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 no. Everything is mine. Everything. He's trying to bring together our thinking so we influence all areas. Whether you're in business, whether you're in, in education, or whether, whatever you're in, it's to be a representative and an ambassador of God himself to the community to be salt and light. And so here we are. Here we are as, as uh, people, I think Christians. And I, here, here's something I... I uh, I've gone to communities that the whole community is almost like they've got Christian colleges and Christian this and Christian that. And I go to those, those communities and I say, well, how come there's so much sin then? If there's so many believers here, why aren't we making a bigger influence? You know why? Don't have a right biblical worldview. If we would have, we would be influencing culture. Because it would be constantly coming out of your mouth. How much, how much do you spend time talking about Jesus? How much do you think about it? How much do you pray about it? How much, how much time do you spend in the Word? You know, Christians are more affected by society than society is affected by Christians. Culture has been discipling the church instead of vice versa. So, I'm sorry, I'm just, that, that's not even my notes. That was for free. But I, I say all that to get you thinking now. We've got to go a certain way. Now, I'm going to take you back to a story in the Bible. And I'm going to use it, a couple stories, actually, a biblical story to illustrate what I'm talking about. We can either watch history being made or we can make it. Now, let me just say this. Well, let me get to that a little later. God is calling history makers to step out in America. Karl Marx said this, if I can steal their history, I can steal their country. Now, I just heard this week that there was a representative in the Congress calling for removing history in our teaching education system in America. Well, you, can I tell you right now, 
you can bet your bottom dollar he's a Marxist. See, they can't fool me anymore. I, see, I go back into Washington. I understand all these things. I work with, Dem with uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I work with congressmen and senators and all of them. I go into their offices. I pray for them. I, I work with them. I am Sam Brownback's uh, uh, chief personal intercessor. Sam was a congressman, a senator, and he was a governor of Kansas. He was just appointed uh, just a couple of years ago. He was appointed by President Trump. He was appointed to be the at-large ambassador for religious freedom in the world. So he goes around trying to influence nations uh, for righteousness. And recently, if you read two weeks ago, he was censored by, along with a couple other senators, he was censured by the Chinese government because he was, he was uh, getting too close to what they didn't like. And he, he, he texts me every week. I get a list of things he wants me to pray for, and we, we send that out to our prayer team, and we pray for that. And so the, the, the opportunity to influence is there for all of us. You can influence neighborhoods. You can influence communities. You can influence all these, all these areas, business people, etc. We are salt and light. Therefore, we are influencers. Salt preserves, light exposes. There's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. There's no substance of darkness. So if we're having darkness in America, what's the problem? It isn't with those who are creating darkness. It's with the church. Church has to rise up. Have to be the church. Have to be stable and, and ready to, to do things. In Psalms 11.3, it says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Roots are powerful. Foundations matter. D David said this. I'm going to tell you the story about David. Great story. David said this in 1 Samuel uh, 17. I think it's verse 20. Uh, 29. He said, is there not a cause? Because, see, he had seen the Goliath, and he'd seen the taunting of the Goliath. You see, what was happening at that point, there was a battle of worldviews occurring. Goliath was representing the Philistines and a pantheist uh, worldview. David comes along, and he sees that Israel has been kind of uh, cowed and in, in, in fear of this worldview and this giant. And they're backing up even Saul. I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go down there. David comes along and says, is there not a cause? Well, I went back and looked at the word cause in the Hebrew. It's actually the word, word history. Is there not a history? In other words, what was he saying? He was saying, don't we have a history worth believing in? Don't we have a history worth fighting for? Is there not a history of faithfulness from our God that we can count on? That brings enough confidence to face the giant? That's, that's what he was saying. He was basically saying, what about our history? What about Abraham? What about Isaac? What about Moses and the Exodus and Joshua and Caleb? He's saying, our God has been faithful then, and he will be faithful now. Is there not a history? Wow. Well, he also, if you think about it, he was basically saying, we have history on our side. Can I tell you guys, we've got history on our side. History's on our side. The way God started America, the way he, 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 he found us, all those things. You see, David had his own personal story of killing the lion and the bear. He's in the backside of the desert. 
And uh, he said this, he said, The Lord who delivered me from the, from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Can I say this? You have your stories too. We all have stories of what God has done in our lives. Surely the Lord will deliver us all. And our history tells us all. History is powerful. It can be built upon. It can, it can stand. I, I've often, if you'll hear me speak at all, you'll hear me say this word. Prayers never die. Therefore, the prayers of Washington, the prayers of Lincoln, the prayers of our of uh, uh, Witherspoon, the, the prayers of uh, uh, Charles Finney, the prayers of, of Abraham Lincoln, the prayers of Billy Graham, all of those. When we pray, what do we do? We add them to the prayers or the bowls of heaven, which is about ready to be poured out. Come on. So history is powerful. But David wasn't just a history. Remember, he was a history maker. Maybe David was even thinking of us when, when he said, is there not a history? David, I, I love this. I, I love this statement. See, when David was in the backside of the desert, you know what he's doing? He was studying to get a proper biblical worldview. How do I know? Because of what he said. What did he say? Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's one of my favorite statements in the whole Bible. And he, he began to, to, to say that. See, what we do today, what we act upon, what we say has a profound effect upon our tomorrows, upon our children, upon our grandchildren. God's future reputation and Israel's legacy were being determined by the decisions they were making. And the same thing is happening today in Orange County. You're making decisions today that will influence Orange County, California, and America in the days ahead. Now, you can... You can sit here and just say, well, I don't know, Pastor Ken. I don't have much, I don't have much authority. Well, God does. And what's he do? He uses individuals. Just one person can change everything. So history's on our side. Come on. What, what about those giants facing, facing America today? Do we have history on our side? Yes, scream all of our forefathers, the pilgrims, the Puritans, founding fathers. There are indeed antichrist forces, and incidentally, I, I researched this a little bit. The word antichrist in one of the editions, back to the Message Bible by Eugene Peterson, the word antichrist is anarchist. What's happening in America right now? It's anarchy. It's the spirit of anarchy. It is all this stuff going on, it has, it has nothing to do with what they say it has to do with. I'm not even being political. I'm being spiritual here. I'm trying to tell you what's going on. And we're, we're seeing this happen uh, right here. Now. We have a godly heritage in America. I already told you about the foundation. I could tell you story after story that would curl your hair if I told you, you know, what was going on. But our founding fathers declared their independence from England, and they acknowledged their dependence upon God. He was the author of their existence, and they relied on God to provide wisdom and leadership. The Declaration of Independence. For the support of this declaration, this is how it starts. With a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. 
Do you know that all the 56 signers of the Declaration, not one of them turned back on their pledge? Twelve were killed. Three wives were murdered. Now I can go on with all those who what they suffered because they made that pledge. I'm here today to tell you that God is asking us to make a similar pledge for the Declaration in a sense of freedom in America for spiritual liberty. After signing the Declaration, most of them wept. If you go back to hear about it, Samuel Adams rose and said, We have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting sun, may his kingdom come. And then they read Psalms 35. That's kind of a good history. So I say to you, is there not a history? Yes, there is. A history depends upon God and of his faithfulness toward our nation. I'm going to say that our forefathers weren't perfect. Are you? So, as we fight, fight for a godly purpose in America, not only is there history from which to draw, but there's also history now to be written, and we have the pen. It's on our watch, people. It's our watch. There, there are forces bent on altering our God-given future, and I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure they do not succeed because it's the anarchist. Now, I believe in some ways our destiny is in jeopardy. Our destiny is to be an example of what God will do for a nation whose God is the Lord. Our destiny can be in jeopardy. We were meant to partner with God on earth. Become a light to the nations. That's what they said. That's what the Puritans said. That's what the Pilgrims said. That's what they all said. We, come, we came here. Most of the early founding uh, people that came to America came out of religious freedom. Now let me describe what happened. In 1600 to 1660, a book was written called Lex Rex, Law is King. It was written and it was so revolutionary because that had never been heard before, talked about, or applied. Before that time, it was called Rex Lex, the king is law. Monarchies were everywhere. And so whatever the king said arbitrarily, he would do. If he didn't like you, you're dead. If he didn't like this, he changed it. That was Rex Lex, the king is law. We had a, 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 a book then written in 1600 called Lex Rex, Law is King, where you put the, the law in, in written form to determine, and America was the first nation to do that. Oh, man, I'm, getting, I'm starting to get excited here. America was the first nation to do it, and interestingly enough, our founding fathers said, our form of government will not work with any other religion. Christianity was meant as the foundation for Lex Rex. And so, after World War II, uh, the State Department tried to go around the world and tried to, to start uh, what they called the democratic republics and start them up, and they didn't work. Because they weren't based upon Christianity. They fell apart. They always worked towards anarchy or authoritarianism and dictatorship. I'm a history guy. I'm sorry. Some of you are you're phasing out on me here. Now, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you. Now, I hear people on TV. I wish I could. I, 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 I have to. I yell at the TV so much. 
Let's say it that way. These guys are so ignorant. They say, we've got to save our democracy. We don't have a democracy. Did you know that? We're not a democracy. I'm giving you a civics lesson right now. We are a constitutional republic based upon Lex Rex, where our constitution was written, and we stand on the firm foundation of the constitution. That's why I'm going to tread in interesting waters now. That's why what's happening with governors, mayors, etc., is Rex Lex. The king is law. They're making arbitrary decisions that aren't in the Constitution. I'm just, I'm, I'm not being political, I'm being spiritual, but I'm applying the Word of God. And what's going to happen if the church will arise and get back to what we know as our, our proper place of influence, we can change this back to what God wants. And we can get back to the foundations. Now, you can watch all that's, all that's going on and say, oh, there's no use. No, come on, people. Let's rise up as the people of God, redig the wells of salvation, put a proper biblical worldview, be intentional about it. You stop, stop being just a convert. Come on, be a disciple. Press into the word. Press into prayer. I, everyone in this room should have a, a reading plan and a prayer plan. Now, for instance, I have, I have a phone. And on my phone, I have an app, and on that app is called Capital Prayer. I see it right here. We have 200, at least 200 people on this app alone. Every night, we have, we call for, I post, and we call for everyone to uh, choose a prayer watch. The watches start at 6 o'clock. They go from 6 to 9 is 1, 9 to 12 is 2, 12 to 3 is 3, third prayer watch, and the fourth prayer watch is 3 to uh, 6 in the morning. So 12 hours. We don't do the daytime, we just do the nighttime. It's been amazing what's happened. My wife's uh, mother was had a blood pressure of 238 over 120 or something two nights ago. She put it on the app. They started praying. She goes to bed. In the morning, her blood pressure was normal. And I can tell story after story because what we did, we put it on the app. Everybody starts praying. They just post, I'm praying right now. I'm praying for Doris. I'm praying for Connie's mom. And this, the other night, we had a, we had a couple in, in another city, and their, their, their son, who was about uh, two years old, had a high temperature of 104, 105. They didn't know what to do. So he's on the app. He put, posted that on the app, and within one hour, his temperature went down to normal. Now... I, I'm just, that's just one illustration. I mean, I could tell you all kinds of prayer things that have happened in my lifetime. The power of prayer is incredible. But we've got to get ourselves back to uh, the basics and back to what God is, is, is telling us. So we need to move on this. Now, why don't we become history makers and change these headlines? How many, how many want to see that? Ch change the headlines. Come on. So... Though much ground is lost, there's still time. This, this land belongs to God because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it belongs to him. It doesn't matter what nation, it belongs to him. We can alter the course of history. We must become like David and determine that we have had enough of these taunting giants and we're going to say to them, how dare you come against the armies of the Most High God? Romans 
It says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. If the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to raise up a standard. I mean, I know that instantly. I know. I, I know it, that God is about ready to, to usher forth a revival that we've never, never, ever seen like before. You probably better get a tent for every day. No, I'm, I'm serious. If, if God starts moving, this tent isn't near big enough. And don't we, don't we have some promises? It's, it's interesting that uh, the word cause also could be translated not only history, but promise. Don't we have some promises? I don't know about you, but there, is there not a promise? Don't we have some promises from God that we can stand on during this time of history? I can just give you two of them real quickly. De Deuteronomy 28.7 says, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come at you against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. Come on. You know, Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Come on, you're too quiet. Do you believe this? If, if this, this is God's, God's word, word, do you believe it? Yeah. Act upon it. Yeah. You need to start walking your neighborhood. Yeah. Every place you put your foot. My wife started doing that in the neighborhood uh, quite a few years ago. Every time she got in front of this one house, she felt the open heavens. And she would walk her neighbor and praying that that open heaven would be throughout our neighborhood. A couple years later, a couple come to our church and we ask where they lived. That's where they lived. And she was an intercessor. I tell you, your neighborhood needs you. Your city needs you. We need to understand the power that's resident within us. So we have these, these promises. We have clear promises. Let's claim them and, and be a history maker. Can you say amen? Now, I want to close with this. I rebuke you time in Jesus' name. It's always too fast. I, I want to... I with these, with these thoughts. America is at a critical crossroads right now. And you all know it. We've become, it's a pivotal moment in our nation's history. I call it a Kairos moment. A Kairos moment. And there was decisions are made at this time that are far-reaching, more than any other time. In Luke 19.44, it says, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Jesus said that to the, the Jews. He said, you did not re rec recognize the time of your visitation. Do you know what the word visitation is? I would never have interpreted visitation. It's episcopy, which is bishop, superintendent, overseer, shepherd. Jesus was saying to them, you did not understand the time of my coming to be your shepherd and your helper. I'm here to tell us today, I don't know that we're understanding and recognize the time. I think we should be Esther generation. We, we can switch things around. We can, we can actually alter history. Esther did. I think God is uh, here to tell us something. Now, here's Abraham. You still with me? Five minutes? How many give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Okay. All right. I think I have enough time. Abraham, I end with this story of Abraham and then five points I'll go real quickly. Abraham was a cause-minded, history-making guy. He was called Abram the Hebrew. What does the word Hebrew mean? I like these uh, to understand what Hebrew words and Greek words mean. 
Hebrew in the, the Hebrew word means Ibri, which originates from the word Abar, which means to cross over into or pass by into. It means moving from one place to another, to pass over from one place to another. It means to penetrate, penetrate territory. It also means pregnancy. It means to be pregnant with a new nature, mission, calling, or understanding. That's what God is asking us to do, is to cross over into a new mission, a new understanding, a new purpose, and see ourselves in this right now. Don't give up because the enemy is so loud. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion. He isn't a roaring lion. He's as a roaring my, uh, my son used to say, yeah, Dad, he doesn't have any teeth. He just roars. So we need to understand we're going to cross over. And this is what happens, five things in crossing over. And this generation, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you, we need to cross over. We need to cross over for Orange County's sake. We need to cross over for California's sake. We need to cross over for this nation's sake. In each generation, you have to have, in a crossing over time, each generation must have its own crossing over. You can't take your father's or your grandfather's uh, uh, religion with you or your, their biblical worldview. You are a Hebrew when you choose to, to cross over. Every generation has to have its own crossing over. You have to decide to follow God with all your heart. You have to do it. I mean, you just have to decide, this is what I'm going to do. Never mind that the other generation did it. You've got to do it. Come on, we got to rise and do that. Amen? Second thing, God always crosses over ahead of you. In other words, you know when Joshua crossed the river, the river parted, they got on the other side? Who was on the other side when they were there? God! Joshua sees the captain of the Lord's host and falls on his knees, takes off his shoes, said, what do I do? God already had the plan for them to take the promised land. He already had, you don't have to worry about the plan. You just have to be obedient. Cross over. Get over where God wants you. Be, be committed to this. And, and we, we, can, we can repossess America in a, in a sense. And this third thing is when you cross over, it terrifies your enemies. I mean, the enemy right now, you don't realize this. You think he's so loud and there's so much bad happening. He's so scared of you. How do I know that? Remember the story of Rahab? Rahab was the, was the woman who hosted the two spies in, in Jericho. And they asked him how, how, how they were doing. And she said, oh, the, all, of the, all of the people of my, of my city are scared to death of you guys. Their hearts fade when they think of you. They're, they were scared. Their hearts melted. I'm telling you, Satan's scared of what you will do if you, if you rise up. Satan's most effective assault has been in bringing about a shift in our perspective in truth. I'm telling you, your worldview is really important. But what happens is, Satan will attempt to stop us through fear and complacency and, and moral depravity and all the different things. But I'm telling you, when we start seeing God move, God has never predicated revival or healing of the nation on the unbeliever. It's predicated on the believer. So when I see riots in Portland, riots in Seattle or wherever, do you know what the reason? It's the lack of the influence of the church. I, 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 I grieve for those young people that are doing that. They're just, they're lost. But it's the lack of the influence. We've got to rise up and become who God asks us to be. And the fourth thing, as I, as I close here, the fourth thing is crossing over requires great faith. 
the crossing of the Jordan River. Have you ever noticed that God always asks you to do things that seem to be impossible? He asked him to cross the Jordan River at flood stage, at the worst time of the year. It's usually a quarter mile wide. It was a mile wide. And he asked him to cross. And they were going, why now? You know, but because God is requiring great faith in you. I have a whole message on faith I was going to include here, but I can't do it. Come back the next time you're here, I'll tell you about it. Faith. we got to have faith. we got to rise up with faith. Faith is a commodity that God gives us to make miracles happen. And interestingly enough, God had them cross the river at Jericho. Why Jericho? Jericho was the most fortified city in all the promised land. But God had a plan. All you have to do is go around the city seven times, sing and shout, and the walls will come down. Now, that's a crazy plan. Think about it. But God has a plan. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for your neighborhood. He's got a plan for Orange County. He's got a plan for California. He does. And the last thing, and I close with this, the last thing is crossing over requires preparation. Can I tell you right now, I, I'm, 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 I'm striking this. When taking on giants and, and changing nations requires preparation. Joshua 1.11 says, prepare provision for yourselves and go over the river. Prepare, prepare. Making history means planning. In order to change this nation, we, we must make preparations. We have to alter how we think, the way we live, where we spend our time and money. We'll need to care more, pray more, serve more, and give more. I don't know. I think Christians are pretty lazy. And I'm going to say something right now. I think many of you are caught in the vortex of comfort and convenience, which is a God, if it trumps God. Oh, come on, I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking to me, I'm speaking to you. If we're not careful, we value comfort and convenience over God. So I'm, everything changes when God gives you an assignment. And I think God's assignment has been given to you today. A war costs something. I was talking to my, my mom and dad were, were alive during World War II. My dad was in New Guinea for three years during World War II. He was in an artillery company. And he would tell me about what happened. My mom said it was interesting because she was back in the States. She said, Ken, you wouldn't believe what we had to sacrifice. We couldn't get tires. We couldn't get sugar. We couldn't even get flour at times. We had to sacrifice all these things so our guys could have it on the battlefield. And because of their sacrifice, they won the war and saved the world. We're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to get ready. We're going to have to do some things that might cost something. But I'm telling you, it's going to be well worth it. If you see your... If you see your grandchildren loving God, that's worth everything. It is. It's worth everything. So, I close. We need to be history-minded, promise-minded. God is already always out front. Join with God and see the greatest victory of all time. He's not lost a battle nor a war, and he won't. We are history makers. Are you ready? Boy, it's hot up here. I want to pray. Could you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I believe there are several people here today that you came and you're not sure about all this. 
but there's something in your heart that's just yearning to be a part of God's kingdom. And you never have necessarily given your life to Christ or at least committed to Him in a, in a, in a totality. And today you'd like to do that. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to give my heart to Jesus. One, I want to give everything to Him. Two, three. How many of you do that right now? Just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. Lift your hand. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Amen. Anybody else? Eight. Praise God. Would you all pray this prayer with me in response to those who lifted their hands? Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I commit myself to you. I believe in my heart. And I, I confess with my mouth that you're now my Lord and my Savior. I give you everything. I commit my heart to you. Make me a brand new person and place me in your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a big hand. Praise God. Now, I, I want to I pray for one more group. I, I, this is why I came, I think. I want to pray if, if today when I spoke, you have this yearning in your heart. You know you're not where, where God wants you to be with a biblical worldview or with a commitment level. And you want to make it today. You, you know it. There could be scores. There were persons. So I want, to bow, I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to put your hand on your heart. And if that's you, I want you to raise your other hand right now. Just raise your hand and say, I want to commit to a biblical worldview and to commitment to God that's beyond where I'm at right now. Just lift your hand real high. Father, I pray right now. You see all these hands. I'm praying that there will be an anointing that will change them. There will be an anointing that will come in their lives that will break the yoke of the enemy. And it will bring hope, it will bring life, it will bring direction, and it will bring a total... I'm seeing people that will... Their whole personality would change because of what you're doing in them. Right now, every hand that's lifted, Lord, let there be a grace and anointing to touch them, move them, and place them in a way they've never been before. Don't let them out of it, Lord. Just stir their hearts and give them a passion they've never known. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.